This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 31st, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. In the case of Luis V. Gonzalez, the right to secure your own counsel with your own money was pitted against the needs of those who may be due restitution post-conviction. The Supreme Court found in favor of the right to counsel, but as often happens, the agreements didn't line up with expected ideology. Cato's Trevor Burris comments. The case of Luis v. United States is about the extent to which the government can freeze assets uh, as it relates to your ability to uh, retain counsel exactly. and defend yourself in court. So uh, we talked about this before we started recording, and I got the sense from you that these things, one of them is sort of tacked on to the other in a way? One of the, the assets are tacked on to the other? Oh, the, the issues are conflated? Yeah. Yes, and to some extent. the uh, You could call this a right to counsel case, which it is, but it hasn't, the Sixth Amendment right to counsel, but it hasn't really changed our vision of the right to counsel. That still is, is what, what it means to have effective representation of counsel. It hasn't really changed that. It just has adjusted how much the government can take money from people or freeze money from people if it compromises their ability to hire an attorney of their choice, which is an old term. You, you at least have a right to hire an attorney of your choice. So in this case, this woman who had been indicted on Medicare fraud, accused of stealing $45 million in Medicare fraud, uh, but she had allegedly, the government claims, distributed it or spent it. And so she had $2 million in assets, and the government sought to freeze all $2 million of her assets with the hope of if they won the case, they'd be able to pay back the government for the Medicare fraud and pay back the taxpayers, take money from her from rest- for restitution. But they admitted that the, some of the $2 million that she had was not connected to any crime. And, and when in, in a criminal case... Uh, the important thing to draw out is, was this proceeds from or assets used in the commission of a crime? And, and if you can't show that, then it's harder to argue that it ought to be uh, frozen while, as the trial proceeds. Precisely. And there was a case just a couple terms ago that dealt with it. And it was actually the same attorney who brought it. It was called Kaylee v. United States. And we filed in that case, too that dealt with whether or not, so we're calling them tainted assets. So in that one, the question was whether or not the government freezes tainted assets, assets that are the government says are connected to the crime, as you pointed out, and then whether or not that can compromise the right to counsel. In that one, the court said, no, it can't. Um, so they, they held against the defendants in that case. This one is the question of whether the government can seize untainted assets that they admit are not connected to crime, but they hope to use for restitution in the future. So we got a really interesting opinion where with a really bizarre alignment of so justices. It's four, one, two, one, and five to three in the in the major holding. holding. Yeah. So what who were the four and what brought them together? Well, for people who don't watch the court as closely as me, the prevailing opinion is that they're incredibly always on the same side. It's just 5-4, now 5-3, uh, or 4-3, uh, three, uh, four, or whatever alignment you're talking about, always on the same side. That is not the case in most cases. And you get some really interesting ones. So what we saw in this case was a four-person opinion, we call it a plurality opinion, written by Breyer, joined by the Chief Justice Roberts, Justice Ginsburg, and Justice Sotomayor. I'm not sure that that those four have ever joined together 
before. And in that one, Breyer says, yes, this does compromise the right to counsel, but he does a balancing, which is a very Breyer thing. He does, he balances. His, it's important for the government to pay restitution, but it's really important for people to have lawyers. And on net, we're going to say this compromises the right to counsel. Uh, Justice Thomas, as he often does, wrote his own opinion uh, where he says con- concurrence uh, in the result. So you have four justices saying holding for Luis and then one justice holding for Luis. So the end result, Luis wins, but for different reasons they're disagreeing about. Justice Thomas says, as he often does in a principled way, like my, I read my constitution, I look at the meaning of the con- of the right to counsel in the Sixth Amendment, and it means you have the ability to pay for it, sort of end of the day, I don't like this balancing test. Then you have the dissents, which are Kennedy and Alito in one, and Kagan doing her own dissent. So the whole thing is a very interesting alignment. Just goes to show that in cases like this, we have you know everyone right now with the nomination of Merrick Garland and the death of Justice Scalia sort of saying that the court is always political, that the justices are only acting politically and ideologically. It's usually not true. They have their own, they look at the law, they do an honest assessment, and you see that in this case. And so we see a really interesting alignment, and we see Kagan doing her own sort of interesting dissent. I think it's the first time she's dissented alone. But at the end of the day, what we've seen is that the government cannot seize untainted assets to and keep you from hiring the counsel of your choice. And so it's a protection to some extent of the right to counsel. This is a very interesting issue because the whether or not you stole the money is one thing. and But until they get a conviction, they can't take money you've earned honestly in order to pay restitution. Is that basically the holding? It's it's freeze it. It's not there. They haven't taken it yet. It's to freeze it in anticipation. To prevent you from using it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But what they'd also be doing is prevent you from hiring an attorney. Now, there's a good, not a bad argument what Justice Kennedy wrote in his dissent with Justice Alito joined where he said, well, now you're going to encourage criminals to spend money that they, that they took and so they can spend it as fast as they can and then you have this ability to not have the government seize these assets. So there's a concern on the other side. That seems a very strange, like it seems like a very, if you're a criminal who has some honest asset, a good deal of honest assets, but you've also stolen a bunch of money, it seems like you're putting yourself in quite a gambling position by saying, you know what, I, if I hire a good enough attorney, it won't matter that I stole this money. Well, you could still get convicted. It's just the whether or not they can, when they can take. And then there are ways of doing this after conviction. They can. They're just trying to get the freeze order at the beginning was trying to prevent her from spending the money away. And so, because they they were going to get forty five million dollars, but they they thought they could at least get a two million. Um, and so you could say that criminals might want to spend their money as fast as they can and hold on to their untainted assets. But then again the right to counsel is in the Constitution. And these other sort of balancing acts, it's all very precarious, but what I go with Justice Thomas and just say, I look at the constitutional right. And what that what the Constitution, by saying the, the most important thing here is not the right to restitution or the ability of the government to freeze the asset. The most important thing is the thing written down in the Constitution in the Sixth Amendment, which is the right to the assistance of counsel in criminal trials. Trevor Burris is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.